0: Heart, That's right. It is uh, the 29th of December 2007. And I guess the front rows are are, uh, excluded because I bite or something, I don't know. Anyway, this is, we're talking about, we're talking about, this is lesson five for um, Matthew part two that we're focusing on chapter 15. Let's begin uh, with prayer. Our Father, we do thank you for the time that we can spend together. I I thank you for each one in this room and for those listening, Father. I thank you for our brothers and sisters who love you. Father, I thank you that you have called us uh, individually into a relationship with you. But Father, I thank you also that you have not left us uh, without without people that can uh, touch us, hug us, (coughs) care for us. And Father, I thank you that you have given us each other as a gift, as a precious gift, an expression of your love for us. Father, I ask that as we open your word together, you might speak to us individually and you might speak to us uh, collectively. I pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Therefore, the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw uh, draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. That's from Isaiah 29, verse 13. And then from Ezekiel 33, verse 31. So, they come to you as the people do. They sit before you as my people. They hear you. They hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. And then from Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Um... And our focus today is uh, looking at tradition versus commandment. And I'm I'm a great believer in tradition. I I love tradition. I really do. Tradition is is a good thing. We need to always recognize, though, uh, we have to be very careful to be able to differentiate between tradition and commandment. And I think that is the great challenge for not only those who are in Messianic uh, Judaism, but also for those that are are, uh, in traditional Christianity. Uh, Our friends and uh, brothers and sisters who are uh, in the the Christian church uh, have a whole lot more tradition in their lives than they may recognize. Uh, Last week in lesson four, we looked at a couple things, and I wanted to focus on one uh, because it bears uh, bears some fruit in in this week's lesson as well. We saw the feeding of the 5,000, and we saw that the numbers being used were significant in some way. Um, Some people think it's stretching it to try and draw draw you know, mystical meanings or whatever else from these numbers uh, um, I, simply, I simply offer it as, a, uh, as an extra uh, as a read it for what it says but does it somehow imply something else um, uh, kind of isn't that neat the way it all adds up kind of thing um, we also saw Yeshua walking on the water do you remember with walking on the water why that was important why is it important to walk on water it's a phrase used in English today. What? That guy thinks he can walk on water. Well, what, is it? what am I saying when I say that?
1: Supernatural.
0: More than supernatural.
1: Thinks he's
0: God. Thinks he's God. That's right. Why? Because only God, God, can. God
1: can.
0: He defies the laws of gravity. Floating and levitating. No, no, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about walking on water. Why is walking on water more significant than levitating or flying through the air? Why don't we have that? Oh, look, he flies through the air. <laughs> I fly through the air. It's no big deal, I promise. <laughs> it's easy. It's easy. Super easy.
1: he also did fly through the
0: Well, but the most important thing, that's not the miraculous thing. Remember, the miraculous thing is they're afraid. What do they see? He's walking on water. Because the implication of walking on water. Walking on water is overcoming death. You know, it's the deep in the deep. It's, over, it's doing only what God can do. And actually, Scripture records. We looked at it last week. Only God can walk on the waves. Period. Done. Done. No one can walk on water but Him. Period. Uh, this is amazing. So they see Him as Messiah. It's a Messianic sign to them. It's, it's a dramatic Messianic sign to them that He can walk on water. He's more than just a prophet. He's more than just, uh, he's more than just Messiah, even. But it is a Messianic sign to them. Um reacts, though, to the fact that
1: he also allowed Peter to walk on the Lord.
0: That's true. That's exactly right. How is that possible?
1: He was doing it entirely in the world as we can do all things in him as well.
0: And that's exactly what he says to them when he sends them out. You know, when he sends them out, when he leaves, he says, you know, you've seen great things, you'll do greater. What? I thought it was all about saying you are Messiah. Now I'm going to do greater things? Well, it's not going to say about me. It's going to say nothing about you. <laughs> Hopefully, it's going to say much about him.
1: Yeah. Joshua not only walked on water, but there was a storm while he was. That's right.
0: On yeah, calming the storm. Yeah, you know, having having the command of nature. Well,
1: he wasn't calming the storm in this instance. He was walking through the through storm the storm. Good. Water. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Good. Very good. Um, when we look at chapter 15 now, we have some implications, some suggestions. Do you remember in Acts chapter 10, excuse me, in chapter uh, 12, Acts, in Matthew chapter um, 10, uh, where he gets ready to send out his disciples. And he tells them not to go, not to go to the cities of the Samaritans, or Gentiles, but only to go to the lost sheep of Israel. And, and those who are not Jewish, actually, it doesn't matter. Anybody ought to feel a little bit uncomfortable with that. He's a discriminator. Uh, well, we get a suggestion, a hope, which we see borne out in Acts chapter 2, that, 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 is a, uh, that there's a reason other than discrimination for him doing this. And in fact, this extension of the gospel, the good news message of repentance, and following him as king, is in fact going to be offered to Gentiles. Uh, we see it, we see it in, the, in, the, in the prophets, but we don't see Yeshua speaking much of it. And in this chapter, we do see hints of it. Uh, let's go to chapter 15, verse 1, and we'll look at the commandment of men here. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. See, they're singing from the comfort passages right there. Then the scribes and the Pharisees, who were from Jerusalem, came to Yeshua saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Okay? Uh, we talked briefly about this last week. They do not eat, wash their hands when they eat bread. Um, it's very important to have a clear understanding of the discussion here. Um, this is the, 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 the topic that the Pharisees and the scribes in this group are having a issue with Yeshua over was the washing of their hands before they eat bread. Okay? Let's move on. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But, but you say, Whoever says of his father or mother, Whatever profit you may have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, and he quotes from Isaiah... Twenty nine. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but that which comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you not know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has planted, will be uprooted. Let, let them alone. They're blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leaders of the blind, both will fall into a ditch. If blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter has answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. He thinks it's a parable. What parable? Are you still without understanding? <laughs> Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which... Proceed out of the mouth, come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Okay? Everybody got that? Okay. Um, first of all, does anybody have verse 17 in another version? New American Standard? Yeah. That's New American Standard, say, verse 17.
1: Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated?
0: Anything else? I
1: want uh, to see that whatever goes, uh, enters uh, the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body.
0: Okay, eliminated. Okay, now go over to Ma- Mark. Is this the right place? Mark 7.
1: It actually, that into the proving. That's, that's what the footnote says. Into the <laughs>
0: <train>. <laughs> Now you know the reasons for what is called caricative, What is written and what is said in the scriptures in the scriptures the masoretic scribes and those earlier of that same tradition would in the would in the margin say when you read this don't say latrine <laughs> You can read it privately. You can read it, but when you say it out loud, don't say it because that's a little bit uh, improper in a, in a group setting. That's the that's the reason for corrective. Although there is no corrective because the Masoreans would not have recognized Matthew. Uh, go to chapter Mark chapter seven, verse seven, verse nine. Excuse me. This is the same account, is it not? It is. Actually, go up to verse uh, 5. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? Why am I saying that? am I emphasizing bread? He answered and said to them well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as is written. Then he quotes from Isaiah chapter 29 verse 8. For laying aside the command of God you hold the tradition of men washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. Okay this is something additional that we read in Mark right? He doesn't mention that in Matthew. He said to them all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you may have received from me is korban. Okay, now we have additional word, and now we know exactly what's being discussed. It's a tradition called korban. That is a gift to God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother, making the word of God of no effect your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. We actually have some additional information here in Mark that makes this a little bit more clear. What is Korban? What's, what is this practice of Korban? And the, the practice of Korban, the Pharisees were just really good at tithing as well. We're going to see in Matthew chapter 23. They're really good at tithing. They tithe things they don't have to tithe. That's why you had to tithe everything. Well, that's another, another myth brought to us theologically that we shouldn't have. <laughs> only certain things are tithed and only certain people tithe. and only, only so much is tithe, and it's not 10%, just so you know. But what, is, what is this uh, issue of Korban? It's very similar. It's, I, wa- I want to dedicate something to the Lord. So if I dedicate it to the Lord, I'm free to use it as being dedicated to the Lord. How does that work? Well, uh, just like when you went to make an offering in the temple. You made the offering, and depending on the kind of offering, what'd you do with it? You ate it. You benefited from it. You shared it with the with, with priests, but you ate it. Yes, it was a meal. It was a, it was a, it was. I know there's a lot of people don't know that, and it's just you know most of the offerings were eaten by the people who offered them. Uh, so you benefited from it. So in the same way, I'm gonna benefit from it. So I'm gonna make this korban. I get to use it. I'm sorry, you can't have that really nice couch. I'm making it korban. It's dedicated to the Lord. When I'm dying, when I when I'm gone, it'll be it'll be for the priests to use. You can't have it. And so what they're doing is they're actually keeping from caring from those who are their responsibility to care for by making it korban. That's the tradition that they're using. Anything you want to call korban, you can, even if it doesn't end up in the temple. You can call anything you want as korban, and you don't have to share it with anyone else. Seems kind of calloused but it's a tradition. It's a valid tradition that they were holding. Valid for them. Excuse me.
1: Well, going back to the tradition... Actually, when it starts, the Pharisees say the tradition of the elders. Yes, is
0: they do. The Talmud? it Actually, it predates Talmud. Talmud would be any from, anywhere from, if you include the Mishnah, from the 2nd century to the 6th century and the common era. So this precedes that. But understand the Talmud, more importantly the Mishnah, is an effort to write down what has been verbally transmitted. This is what we call the oral law. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, in, in Perkei Avot which is the, the opening chapters of, of, of the Talmud in the Mishnah is in Perkei it says and Moses received the law at Sinai and gave it to Joshua who passed it to and it says into the, into the and it ends up in the great assembly and this and the tradition regarding that is that that's the oral law there's the written and there's the oral in other words you can't understand the written without the without the way it was transmitted by mouth ok and
1: it's
0: it, uh, it supersedes even Oh, really? Yeah.
1: And, and so the
0: Pharisees could see that it was sort of a, an equivalent, but it came out of Yes, absolutely, original. absolutely. Um, boy, this is a long discussion. Uh, but let, let me just say this. What, what we're using, when we say tradition or whatever else, if we were going to take this into a modern parlance of, of speaking to Jewish people, we'd say it's halakha. It's a, it's, a, it's a practice, how you do it. Halakha means how you walk. So how you walk out what you read. So that's how they... And, and believe, believe me, I, I, I am not one who says oral law, ooh, bad. And the reason why is because the oral law, actually, there's a lot about about the law of God that we have no clue of how to do except by how it's been taught
1: to us to do. Well, in this scripture I'm trying to do what you're doing and that's what What is, it's that's right. It's
0: exactly. And so what we need to do is, and this is why it's very important to understand when Yeshua follows certain halakha, we need to find out why. And his halakha is always going to be on the side of what is merciful and loving to my brother and sister. Not a change in the law. See, this is the biggest problem with our reading of scriptures that are translated from other languages. We translate law as one word. In the, in the, in the, in the apostolic scriptures, there's five or six different laws being spoken of by the word namas. It's not all talking about the law of God. Equally. We're
1: talking well, about the traditions
0: of men. The traditions of men, that's right. Well, first of all, anybody know in in Ephesians chapter 2, you know where it says the law... The ordinances were nailed to the cross. What ordinance was nailed to the cross? And what are you implying when you say that?
1: The separation between
0: Jew and Gentile. No, no, you're getting the right answer. What's the wrong answer? The
1: Torah. The Torah.
0: The law. The law. Well, in the Greek, it's the word dogma. That's dogma. Dogma is man's tradition. (laughs) It's man's law. Well, that's not the way the translators put it in there. Why? Because it fit quite nicely with their theology. All that Jewish stuff got nailed to the cross. Right? That's right. No, that's exactly what's going on. So, uh, To be fair, we've got tradition on two sides here that, are, that we are walking through a minefield. <laughs> it's, it's, and don't just count things off. Don't just write it off. Well, that's tradition. doesn't really matter. Be very careful what traditions you exclude or include. Again, it's like walking through a minefield. How can I know? It's very difficult. Very difficult. There's some valid things to the very tradition that Yeshua is bringing up—the washing of hands before you eat. There's some extremely valid points, biblical points. What did the priests have to do before they served? They were that's right they were immersed first ablution immersion they, they went into the labor they dipped them all selves down into the labor right but then they also if you look at the labor go to the temple institute sometime and look at it what is what does it look like in the second temple it looks like a big tank with faucets all around it how does that work because they wash their hands and their feet that's what they were told to do wash their hands and feet so they wash their hands and their feet well if it's good enough for the priests before they serve God put bringing something into the temple why would you not want to wash your hands before something, bringing something into the temple of God your body mm-hmm. see the temple of God your body is not a Christian theology it's a Jewish theology predates it your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit well that's do you understand how that tradition makes a little bit of sense doesn't it that's not wrong is it is it Yes. Well, but his disciples didn't do it at all.
1: Scientifically, it's a good re- good idea. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> before
0: you leave that, absolutely. Scientific science aside, we're talking tradition. Science aside, oh, you should, but yeah.
1: Well, it must be a tradition. Everybody was raised with your mom telling them. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: right. That's you right. Do it with a
1: pitcher of water. and You have to put the water in the pitcher. Two-handled pitcher. Yeah. Two-handled pitcher. Two-handled yeah. pitcher, two-handle pitcher. You got to do it three times. It's a
0: very good. It's actually. It's. Let me just. You know. Before we. Before we get off on these people. It's a very good tradition.
1: Yeshua's
0: mm-hmm. disciples didn't all do it. Why didn't they all do it? Excuse me.
1: I'm wondering where it is that you're going to solve this Okay.
0: Well, uh, maybe nowhere. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's a very good tradition. However, in the first century, not everybody kept the tradition. Only certain groups. And the Talmud does tell us about this. Uh, there's there, there's the there's the common person, the common person, uh, the country folk, the bumpkins. They didn't do this. Only the pious did this. So
1: Today, they're, if it, they get, they're these refract Galileans. Galileans,
0: oh. And what does it say right there at the beginning of Matthew? What does it say? And, and Mark, it says from Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. A, and David Stern does a very good job, and I don't agree with all of David Stern's translation, but he does a very good job in a complete Jewish Bible where he oftentimes takes the word Jew and says Judean. Because that is that's the point being made. We have a we have a north south issue going on here, <laughs> and those who are in north they want washing their hands. Like, well, there's some superstition behind it too, and I don't want to get into it. But the Talmud actually has a superstition about washing their hands as well. There's good biblical reasons for it. But there's really bad superstition reason for it, having to do with the evil spirits and everything.
1: Ah,
0: now I have more information that I can say. Is this a good tradition or not? Is it something I should practice? Well, what reason would I practice it for? Do I want to practice it because it's, it's scientifically healthy or because some good people do it? Or should I practice it because I really believe that I have evil spirits on my hands that need to be washed off? See? But continue to read in Mark chapter 7. Um... Go to verse 15. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things which defile a man. Anybody got a different version of that? Right, I wish I had the version here. I should read it. Um, Who has anything that says, thus making all food clean? That's actually from Matthew chapter uh, 15, verse 17. Anybody got a version that says that?
1: Yeah, there is nothing outside a person which, by going into him, can make him unclean. Rather, it's the things that come out of a person which make a person unclean.
0: No, that's not it. That's not it.
1: Oh, uh, mm-hmm. it's down verse nineteen. Mine says, "Betsy declared all things clean."
0: That's Mark chapter, Mark chapter seven? seven.
1: 19. That's
0: it. Yeah, that's it. In Oh, actually, mine has that too. I, man, I, I apologize. Because it does not enter his heart but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. Thus Does your Bible have... Anybody have cross-reference at uh, verse 19 to uh, Acts chapter 9?
1: Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter
0: 9. Mine does. That's 10, 10 is 11, 11, 11, 9. My footnote says... This sets off the final phrase "Is Mark's commandment that Jesus has declared all foods clean. What? How has he done that? He's talking about eating bread, bread, with unwashed hands. The Talmud says a man who would eat bread without unwashed hands is like one who goes to a harlot. That's, that's the issue being said here. This is not just a nicety. This is like, this is like really, really bad stuff. Eating without washing your hands Bread without wa- eating bread without washing hands is really bad. Today, how you wash your hands or whether you have to wash your hands depends on how much bread you eat. you having a snack or you having a, l- a little bit more than this much bread. You're having a little bit more than this much bread, you need to wash your hands first. Why? Because if you don't, it's like going to a harlot. It's just disgusting. Yes? Um, there's a footnote in the Scriptures
1: from Matthew 15 um, uh, 20 talking about uh, unwashed hands is not following it. It says here the unwashed hands was the issue, not the eating of pork or other.
0: Thank you. Well, what Bible are you reading from?
1: Scriptures.
0: <laughs> 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 is that the name of it? Yeah. Uh, who's it done by?
1: The Institute of Scriptural Research.
0: That's good. I like it. Uh, David Stern does something very similar. Uh Why? Why is this a big issue? Because. Where does it say That eating a pig Is okay (laughs) That's right But actually That's not actually In the text That's not even That's not in the text It doesn't exist In the text Doesn't exist Why is it in so many Bibles It's in mine And mine comes from Mine's a new King James Which has a different Greek source Why is it there Come on, fill me in. Why is it there? Why is that important? Why is it important at all?
1: That's what I want to know. Well, what was forbidden in the Old Testament because God has Well, not just pork, but a lot of other foods. Because
0: yeah. trichinosis Is that the reason why?
1: <laughs> well, that's a possibility, but God would know about that. So...
0: Shellfish don't have trichinosis. No, if a a of things. But
1: basically, all you have to say boil it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Why? The reality is, God chose certain foods for us to eat and others
0: for us not to eat. He chose certain foods for us to eat and others for us not to eat. Why?
1: Who knows? God she separates us from the
0: Gentiles. Oh. She knows. She knows the answer. Why? Because in, in Leviticus 11 it says, you do this because you are holy to me. But
1: in Deuteronomy... means you're different. In Deuteronomy it says, you do this because it's wise.
0: Ah, <laughs> no, yes, that's true. The other people see that's you wise. See
1: it and say,
0: oh, you do it because it's holy to me. Does it matter what you eat? Is Yeshua saying it doesn't matter what you eat? Is that what he's saying? No. How is it possible that he, th- he would ever even consider that? Here's what I really want you to understand. Not the, it, the, the tradition commandment thing and trying to figure out who did what and why they did it. What I really want you to ask is how could anyone, anyone, including yourself, consider that Yeshua who comes as the prophet like Moses, more importantly like Messiah, who is the very image of the Almighty could ever annul what he has and what God has said? How is it possible that we could consider such a thing? If he's Messiah, Deuteronomy chapter 13, if he's Messiah, if he's a prophet, and he comes and he pulls people away... From the commandments that God has given, with with forget any explanation you've you've heard offered. Well, that was then. This is now. now. any explanation? How is it possible if the com, if the commandment was given, don't follow a prophet that leads you away from my commandments? How is it possible that Yeshua can be the Messiah and lead God and lead the people away from God's commandments? How's it possible? Okay, we could argue after the cross, as dispensationalists do. But how is it possible here that he does it? It's impossible. That we would even consider it shows how steeped in a theological tradition we are that our very thinking has been affected by a theology that would annul commandments of God. Do you think that it's possible that if it's true that in Mark chapter 7 and in Matthew chapter 7 or Matthew chapter 15 that in fact the dietary laws from Leviticus 11 were going to be annulled that God would have given some hint some prophecy to somehow say it well I would offer from a human perspective yes but from a biblical perspective I'd say no the reason why is what I am not a man that I should change my mind does God have both salt and fresh water coming from the same mouth, James? No. He speaks one thing, and it's the truth. How is it possible that he could confuse people with something so important? If you go to Leviticus chapter 11, how important is it? Go to Leviticus chapter 11. How important is it? This is a small thing. What you eat, I want to offer to you that we are all sinners today because God gave a commandment about what not to eat, and we broke it. It's very simple, isn't it? Does it matter what you eat? Eat Eve and Adam ate. And we all bear and we share in the consequences, do we not? In the day that you eat it, you will die. Is it possible that God does something so simple and elementary? Is it possible? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> um, uh, in chapter 11 of, of Leviticus this is a long chapter um, uh, verse 43 it says you shall not make yourself abominable with any creeping thing that creeps nor shall you make yourselves unclean with them lest you be defiled by them Yeshua says he "Does what goes in you doesn't defile you is he contradicting it here
1: he's talking to Jews
0: regardless of who he's talking to is talking to Jews that's right does it make them defiled? Just make like a Jewish if you want. It's fine.
1: Does, Does him? it make them defiled? Does he
0: tell them to break the law? He says it doesn't defile you. What you put in you doesn't defile you. For I am the Lord, verse 44. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves and you shall be holy. For I am holy. Oh, no, second, second Peter or first Peter. Peter says the same thing. Actually it's repeated four times in the scripture. You Scripture. You shall be holy for I am holy. What is it? Set yourself apart. Be different. I am the Lord who brings you up from the land of Egypt to be your God you shall therefore be holy for I am holy this is the law of animals and birds and every living creature that moves in the water and every creature that creeps in the earth to distinguish between the clean and unclean and clean between the animal that may be eaten and the animal which may not be eaten food or not food that's it food or not food you know kosher I'm not talking kosher I'm talking what's food and what isn't food we use the term you know bring something kosher (laughs) we talk about our own egg Uh, but it's actually not about kosher it's about whether it's food or not food Is it food or not food? Yeshua's not saying you can eat any kind of food you want. Or you can call anything food. What he's saying is what is it that makes the heart unclean? I know that you have commanded me not to eat this fruit from the tree but I'll eat it anyway. What defiled are the food or the decision? That's the point. That's right. And Yeshua's not just saying eat anything you want. (laughs) He's talking about eating with unwashed hands. Anyway. But he's not saying eat anything you want. What he's saying is obey God. not man. That's it. It's very simple. Yes. Okay. Could
1: you repeat
0: the main point again? Man, I can't remember now.
1: (laughs) I've been waiting for it. Well,
0: maybe I'm not there yet. Go to Daniel chapter 1 verse... Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. This is the main point. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacy or with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he may not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. That's it. Purposed in his heart. The person who will say, I don't care what God said. God annulled it. I don't care. Is Is... is You have to wonder. The person that says, I will not eat because God has said I should not eat, they are not not defiling themselves by not eating something. They are not not defiling themselves by deciding to obey God. That's the point. And Yeshua makes that point. It's out of inside out that produces defilement. What comes from inside a person is what defiles them. It's the decision. It's the decision that defiles them. The food itself, or the things that they put in their mouth, are not the things. It's not about disease. <laughs> you know, it's not about being ab- abominable because you've put something abominable in your body. It's about deciding whether you're going to obey God or not. That's it. It's very simple. Unfortunately, we've built a tradition, theological tradition, based upon these verses. We've added words to scripture in our translation to create an, an opinion. A theological opinion. Acts chapter nine is another one. A big sheet is let down from heaven. Within it every creeping thing. And a voice from heaven says to Peter, Arise, kill and eat. And from that, which is the first place people go when you tell them, By the way, I, I eat kosher they go, Well, what about Acts chapter Acts chapter nine? What about uh, what about this? And Matthew chapter ten, Mark chapter seven, excuse me. That's the other one, Matthew chapter fifteen. Uh, I'm saying Acts nine, that's Acts ten. Acts chapter ten and eleven. Um, what about that? And I'd say I'd go to Acts chapter ten and I say, What was Peter's vision about? And they go, It's about you can eat anything you want now. I, I'm sorry. Peter says here it's because he knew, he understood that what what should that anything that's clean should not be that God has declared clean should not be called unclean. Well, what part of food is clean or unclean? That's not the food's not the point. Just like in Matthew chapter fifteen or Mark chapter seven, food's not the point. It's bread in there. Here in Acts chapter ten, it's people, Gentiles. Where did God ever say Gentiles were unclean? He never did.
1: But they're lost. Ah,
0: the tradition says Gentiles are unclean. You can't even eat with Gentiles. <coughs> if you touch a Gentile, make sure you wash your hands, not because they're dirty, but wash your hands ceremonially. Why? Because they're unclean. They'll, they'll, pollute, they'll spiritually pollute you. That's the tradition that's being undone in Acts chapter 10. How strong how, how a stronger tradition was it? Remember, Peter is here in Matthew chapter 15, is he not? Peter is there all the way through Yeshua's ministry, and yet Peter still doesn't get it. Why? Because the tradition is so strong. Gentiles are unclean. That never anywhere in Scripture does it say Gentiles are unclean. You can't even eat with Gentiles, is what Peter said. Do you know my even eating here? Your, you're speaking of Cornelius. Even eating with you is a is breaking the law. It's, it's why important. It's important that people study the Torah.
1: <coughs>
0: why? Because then you can know what law is not there. That's one that ain't there. Excuse me. Yes, in the back. <laughs> I
1: have a question about salvation. So when you come to Gentiles and you say oh, you don't, you don't, you're not supposed to eat food, but for salvation, We're not saved because
0: I'm Of course not. And this sense, this. You know, unfortunately, what we do is, and we often do this tonight, We try and put God's laws into the channel of saved, unsaved, and that's that's neither here nor there. It is true that once we have. Uh, the, the Spirit of God has been, uh, that we have been grafted into His family, and the Spirit of God has been given to us, that we will want to do what He has commanded us to do. But again, Peter has gone, and Acts chapter 10 is years and years after Yeshua's ministry, death, burial, resurrection, he's preaching Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10 is years and years, and he still doesn't know. So is it possible for us to not get it? Yes. Not understand that tradition is clouding my vision? Yes. Peter thinks it's wrong to be in a house with a Gentile. He thinks it'll make him unclean. Not unclean in a dirty sense, but unclean is like not spiritually ready to meet God. If I hang out with Gentiles, I am, I am showing that I am not pious, that I don't love God. That's actually the the tradition that Peter was exposed to. Now, let's go back to Act Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 15. I have
1: one more. Okay. Uh, maybe. In Luke uh, 11 41 Yes. Again, I, I see the word, all things are clean for you.
0: All things are clean for you, all right? Uh, go to Isaiah sixty. Uh, was it sixty four? Um, it's where it's talking about the new heaven and the new earth, and it talks about those who eat mice are abomination. Obviously, all things aren't clean then. Why are they? Why are they?
1: That's and
0: more importantly, go back to the, my my basic theory. How is it possible? that we consider Yeshua Messiah if he said what people are saying he said.
1: Well, that's it's, not a, it's not possible. He's a sinner. I want you to read, please, Luke 11, and tell me how it should read. Or... Uh,
0: well, I can't tell you how it should read, but what I can tell you is it can't possibly read what it says. but okay. what, 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 what people are saying it says. Well, this is Luke
1: 11...
0: 41. 41 says uh, but rather give alms of such things that you have indeed all things are clean to you. Um, oh, it's talking about the washing of the cups.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, the washing of the cups or whatever else. Where does it ever command us to wash cups? There is a place where we're told to wash, wash things. Yes. The inside or the outside of a cup, right? The inside cup. of the outside of a cup. cup in 38
1: it says first saw this and was surprised he had not first Ceremonial
0: wash before the meal. Right, right. It's the same issue. It's actually the same issue. No, that's
1: why I want you to take
0: it down. When he says all things, all things are, are clean to you, he's not he's not talking about again. He's not talking about you can eat anything, touch anything. That's not at all what he's saying. What is he saying? He's saying that, it, that that their tradition with regard to this, the way that they had to wash, is a ceremonial way of washing. It's not just talking about if something falls in something from uh, from Leviticus. If something falls in something, you can't. You have to wash it. Or if you touch something unclean, your clothes need to be washed or whatever else. It's not talking about that. It's talking about, it's talking about the ceremonial washing that has to do with, with every time you pick up a cup. It has to be washed in this way. That's your tradition.
1: You can't use a cup. That's been used with milk with a cup that's been used with. Milk. Well, that's
0: a later tradition, but yes, similar similar thing. Uh, if you if you know anything about 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 uh, um, about glot kosher separation of d- meat and dairy, it would be it's that's not the tradition. That's not Talmudic, but that that's a similar idea. Well, I can't let anything that has had meat or anything that has a dairy be associated with meat in any way, keeping those separate. That's a separate tradition, but it's a similar idea. So where I can't even let it touch because it would defile it, right? Then it has to be washed in a certain way and blessed as uh, accordingly as well. Let's move on. Gen- Matthew chapter 15, verse 26. Real quickly. This is, he's out, he's in, he's in, he's in uh, Sidon, Tyre and Sidon, the region of Tyre and Sidon. He is actually away from Jewish quarters. He's actually in Gentile area, okay? And this woman comes up to him and, and, uh, and, Urges, urges her uh, to, to, to heal her, her daughter who's demon-possessed. And, and her, his disciples sent her away and he answered her said, I was not set except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is the same thing that he says earlier in Matthew to his disciples. Then she came and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Again, we, uh, is it discrimination? No. <laughs> and he said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Yeshua Answered and said to her, "A woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire." And her daughter was healed. This, you know, her recognition is is who Yeshua is. You're the master. You can heal her, and I'm nothing. Which is in that thing that we should all approach him with. I'm nothing. Can I have not even the scraps that come from your table? And I would offer, and this is exactly what Yeshua says in other places, speaking of those who were not of the house of Israel, or were not born Jewish earlier, he's, or later on he says, they, I, I can see the table. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and seated, seated around the table are those, like this woman. Not just the scraps seated at the table. Full members. This is an allusion. An allusion to something we are not going to see until Acts chapter 10.
1: Well, actually, when he closes Matthew, the great commandment is to
0: all nations. All nations. And it brings in those prophecies from Isaiah where it speaks about, and the Torah, the law shall go forth to all
1: nations from
0: Jerusalem. Yeah, I mean it. We we, exactly the promise, Abraham. We see this expansion of of the the family of God from being those who are genetically Jewish, genetically descendants of Jacob, being expanded greatly. But we don't. We only see hints of it now in the in the Gospels. Only hints of it. Uh, Another place we see it is in this bread for Gentiles. I've I've given you, again, this is looking a little bit deeper, but the 4,000. He feeds 5,000 in chapter 14 and in chapter 15, or is it chapter... so chapter 14, yeah, and 4,000 here. Probably
1: two or three times that many. They're only counting the
0: men. That's right, they're only counting the men. But why 4,000? Here's an interesting, why the 4,000? Uh, yeah, first of all, it talks about the, ba- I'll give you those little things, baskets. The baskets in chapter 4, that, uh, chapter earlier, the 5,000, that feeds the 5,000, those are called uh, kofinos, and it actually is a it's a, it's a Jewish identifiable lunchbox. Put a Star David on a little lunchbox. That's what it is. Okay. No one ever used them. Just Jewish people used them because it was a special place to keep bread. Okay. So he talks about the baskets there. Whereas in the chapter in this chapter he talks about uh, uh, in, where he feeds the four thousand. It's spurious. The baskets are and it's it's a Gentile name. And this this idea also we see the seven seven baskets left over. Seven baskets left over. We saw twelve baskets left over earlier, right? With a feeding of the five thousand, there are twelve baskets left over. With the feeding of the four thousand, there's seven baskets left over. And the seven is 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 the seven times seventy is the seventy nations. I mean that's just a way of looking at it. Again, that's not the may not be the principal teaching here. It's just something deeper. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I do think I know clearly in 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 the healing of the uh, the woman at Sidon. Uh, that there is a there is a clear picture of Gentiles being included, being included. Going back again to this whole issue of of uh, tradition versus uh, commandment. Uh, we, we in this congregation, made up of Jews and Gentiles, we recognize one in Messiah. We are doing something that that near, near hundreds of years ago. And nice Presbyterian Geneva would have earned some of us, not you maybe, but me, being burned at the stake. I'm not talking about ancient Roman Catholics. I'm talking about nice, sound Presbyterians. We we are... Blessed beyond our imagination, historically, to be living in this age where we can recognize the scriptures and we can open them up and we can say, What has been concealed from us? What has been concealed from us by evil men and passed down by traditions of men that obscures the truth? And what is the truth? From Ephesians chapter 3, this is the mystery of, of Messiah. Jew and Gentile one. Instead of making all Jews who come and, 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 and accept Yeshua. Instead of, up until now, requiring that they renounce that they are Jewish at all. Renounce the very Torah of Moses. Commandments of God. Renounce the keeping of Passover. Renounce the keeping of Sukkot and all the festivals. How is it that we in this day can be so oblivious to this history? And you need to understand our 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 task is difficult because our task we have been given much, but our task is to sort through theology and tradition and discover what part of our theology is tradition that was handed to us by the same people that renounced all things Jewish and required the renouncing of all things Jewish whether one eats pig or not is whether one is Jewish or not in these people's minds and that's exactly why the translator notes deal with it this way. It's the re- very reason why theologically we have annulled whole portions of scriptures because it was Jewish. It could be identified as Jewish. Isn't it amazing that God, it did work just like God said in Leviticus chapter 11, among other things. In Leviticus 11 it says this will be an identification. You'll be identified. You'll be sanctified, set apart, different. Why? Because you eat differently you wear different clothes you eat differently you pray differently you worship a God who's different you look and act differently from everyone else in other words just what God said would happen happened and what happened is people who claimed to know Messiah said but we don't want to be like them those things that identify them differently we want nothing to do how do they do that? they go through with their Parker pen through scripture and they start crossing out verses
1: we too, all believers, should stand aside and be recognized as different. That's right. well,
0: How do we act different? What we need to do is, we need to do, we've got to close with this. What we need to do is we need to go back and just sort out what parts of our theology are obscuring the very truths that Messiah is trying to get us to pay attention to. And by being blessed of this congregation having Jew and Gentile where we can share and learn from one another as being one in Messiah, we have a rich thing that we can pass on to those who follow after us. We need to make sure that the traditions that we begin to bring in are traditions that enforce and teach the truths of Scripture. One thing, we got to go. Yeah, let
1: me close with this. Sure, the master said, "Do not think I have come to destroy the law of the prophets. They right. not come to destroy, but to complete. So truly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one job or a tittle by no means shall pass away from the law to all be done. Whoever then breaks one of the least of these commands, and the teaches man to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever he whoever does and so teaches them shall be called great. Very good.
0: Everybody, both sides are getting to the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, that's, that's right." Example. That's right. He is our example. We need to include it all. And if he did not annul anything, then obviously we should. And the word fulfilled doesn't mean to know.
1: 5.18.
0: Five, that's, five, that's 5. five. 5.17 through 19. Thank you very much. Let's close in prayer. Father, we do thank you that you've given us such a great example in Yeshua. Father, we thank you that he's more than simply a prophet, but that he is priest, that he is king, he is Messiah. He is Emmanuel. Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. Teach us to be able to distinguish between uh, what is your commandment and what is tradition. And guard our thoughts, Father. May we be willing to obey you in everything that we hear that comes from your mouth. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.